0: It is Halloween the other day, and so do not eat it, hand it out. I want to give all of you a piece of candy. Now as you know, yeah, just kind of hand them out, chuck them at people, whatever you want to do, okay? Um, but as you know, this past week was Halloween. Anyone dress up? Anyone dress up? Yeah. Okay, what are some of the costumes we did this week? Esmeralda. Nice, Esmeralda. Good. Benny. Batman! Oh yeah! Superheroes are making a comeback. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson! Wow! All right. What else? What else? Huh? Minnie Mouse. Minnie Mouse. Karate. Nice. Karate person because I went karate. Nice karate person. Hiya! I was a psycho Alabama fan. That's what I roll tide. Roll tide. So while I was at the Trunk Retreat, I was a crazy Alabama fan because that is the only team that I can root for that wins all the time, okay? My Jets don't know how to win, but for some reason I cannot divorce myself from being a fan. It just drives me nuts. I mean, every week the Jets are on, Sue's like, what's going on in there? I'm like kicking the wall, chucking the TV, the dog's running for its life, the lizard's hiding in its little pen, the kids know stay away from daddy, but Saturdays? or a good day, because all we do is roll tide. Um, but hey, as you know, there's always something with the candy, so do, do, do me a favor. If you are a chocolate lover, enjoy the chocolate. I know some of you are like, you do not know that I'm not a chocolate fan, and I'm sorry that I didn't bring you Twizzlers or anything, but uh, maybe next week. So here's what we're going to do. The next couple weeks, we are going to talk about this whole idea of preparing for Christmas. Um, Last year, do you remember, we did the Advent Conspiracy, and what we challenged our church to do was rethink Christmas, to not be consumers, but being able to produce life in those who who need it. And so, for one month, we had told you what we were doing. We had shared where the vision was and how we were going to help Uganda and we were going to help Hurricane Sandy victims and how we were going to make this charge going into December for us to begin to rethink Christmas. That was the goal. But here's what we want to do today we want to help you rethink how we look at our lives. Are we consumers or are we producers? And in that, how do we not have seasons of giving, but how do we we live our lives in a way that has the opportunity to produce life in others? And so a couple things we're going to do. One is we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be challenging you. And we're not going to apologize for this. One of the things you know is that we're very careful when we talk about our, our earthly treasures because we, we do it out of respect, but we're also called to challenge, be challenged with it. But we're also going to help out, just, just over the next few weeks, the whole Center for Food Action. Every single week, they're very low with the food bank, so every week, there are certain things they need more of. This week was rice, right? Next week is what? P- canned juice, okay? Next, the following week is? tomatoes something all right good diana helps out there but what we're going to do is every week we want to bring something in just as a means of keep on helping the center for food action but more importantly here's what we need to do is we need to learn to produce life in others rather than always be consumers and we talked about this about two weeks ago do you know that remember that we talked about this a couple weeks ago and i want to let you know this that after that happened we had the opportunity as a church to help out a family in need, and we did it. So everything that we talk about, we are, what we preach, we are in action helping people because we have the opportunity to step into the needs of others. And so here's what I want us to do. I want to set this up this morning that our hearts are open to see what God is calling us to do. Rather, than wanting to listen to what I think he's saying. Does that make sense? Who is God calling us to be as a body of Christ, as the church in our local area, to be the expression of the Son of God? So let's pray. Jesus, this morning, I ask you that you would challenge us. Challenge us this week, and as we go into this Christmas season, that we would begin to rethink, relook, reshift are we consumers or are we producers and god each one of us is here because you desire to produce life within us and so this morning you're asking us how do we partner with you to be present in other people's lives as well and i pray this in christ's name Amen. Do me a favor. We're going to look at a couple passages of scripture. So if you have a seat Bible, grab it. I want you to follow along with me in Mark chapter 10. Turn with me to page 607. 607. 607. There's going to be three passages that we're going to look through. Okay. I'm going to give summaries of each so that we can see the big picture. And I promise you that candy bar is the culmination of what I want to share with you this morning. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10 on page 607, verses 17 through 31. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Stop right here. The story of the rich young ruler. Here you have a good Jewish man who is doing everything by the book. And more than likely, this man was watching Jesus from a distance because to automatically attach yourself with Jesus meant that you were attaching yourself with this new movement of God that either made you understand who he was as other people were telling you who he was not. And so here was a man who was more than likely watching from a distance. He saw the miracles, he saw the deliverances, he saw all of these wild and crazy things, but he also heard a teaching that he wanted to attach himself to. Something that was bringing new life to the Jewish community. And not just to the Jewish community, but to the Gentiles. And as he's watching and watching, he's thinking, I need... To know more. I've been obedient. I've honored God. I've done all of the right things, but I still feel that there's this this void missing. You see, this man probably did not have tons of baggage, he just was your, your good old boy doing the right thing at the right time all the time. But even those individuals still have holes in their hearts that need to be filled. And he says, what do I need to do? And Jesus, knowing his heart, he challenges them and says, keep the commandments. And he says, I have. I've never stolen. I've never cheated. I've never done any of these things. I've done everything by the book. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Don't you love that? It doesn't say that Jesus felt genuine concern or didn't find genuine fault or didn't look at him with with shame. But when I read this passage, I almost think that Jesus gets his little Jesus smirk on and he looks at him with genuine love. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all you put all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. And with that the young man lit, put his head down and walked away. You see why would this young man do this? Because for him, his treasures, his riches, were his identity. And in some way, rightfully so, because the Old Testament had told him that if if you follow God and you obey the commandments, God will bless you. He will bless you beyond your years. And everything that this man had watched in Jesus, he said, yeah, that's what scripture, yeah, that's what scripture, yeah, that's what scripture, yeah, that's what scripture, but now you're dealing with my identity. But let's maybe twist this. Was it really about his identity or about his ego? And this was the tension that this young man had and we don't know why, we don't know what pushed him to it, but something, when he recognized the one thing that he was lacking, he realized, I can do everything but this. For this young man, his faith was, was based on an obedience I consume. In my obedience to God, God will allow me to be blessed for myself. Because as this young rich ruler looked at others who lived in poverty or sickness, he saw fault. You see, all Jesus was doing was with the condition of this man's heart. You see, here's the tension of scripture. This is is the biggest tension that all of us have with scripture. And it's for two reasons. One, whenever we talk about money, whenever we talk about our wants and desires, we are either being fed up with being manipulated by the church, amen? Come on, amen, right? We are sick of seeing these people on TV. We are sick of seeing these, these huge things being built and nothing happening in the community and we don't want to get sucked into the manipulation. Or, it's too close to home. It's too close to home. Because so much of our security deals with what I have obtained and the comfort that I'm able to build. And you see, here's something funny. Do you know this? That Jesus talked more about money than heaven or hell combined. The only thing that he talked more about money was the kingdom of God. Seriously, let me give you a couple statistics, a few things. First, 11 out of the 39 parables talk about money. 11 out of the 39 parables have illustrations concerning money. And one of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke references finances. So why would it be that one out of seven things that Jesus has talked about deals with our possessions? And here's why. When we talk about finances and our ability to gain, we're actually talking about what our hearts desire most. We cannot, when we look at Jesus, we cannot separate the two because both go hand in hand. The way we handle our finances is what and how we value things most. And Jesus knows that. He knows the condition of the heart because of two reasons. One is security and two is ego. And that's for all of us, including myself. I mean, think about it. When you are struggling with something or you're having a hard day, what do you want to do? Go spend money. Go shopping. Buy something to make yourself feel better. And Jesus is saying that when you deal with your finances, you are actually dealing with the condition of your heart. I hate that. I hate that so much because now Jesus is just getting a little too close to home for me. Turn with me to a parable real quick. It's found in Luke 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 12. Let's read this parable real quick. Page 6, 25, Luke 12, verse 16 through 21. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat, and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come, now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, then who will get everything you worked for? You see, here we come back to this whole idea of a parable about the condition of our hearts. Jesus uses the parable of another rich young ruler who is striving for comfort, for storing up, not for a safe day, but so that one day he can eat, drink, and be merry, and step away from the normalcy and heartache of life. Now let's be honest, that is our American dream, correct? You see, the problem is, is that when we look at the American dream from the very beginning, the American dream was not to eat, drink, and be merry, it was to find a place that people were not living in oppression, spiritual oppression. But the oppression that we live under now, all of us, including myself, is the oppression of of financial needs. And for all of us in some way, we have have done this. We build up our storehouses, thinking that that is our saving grace. But here's what Jesus says. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. He says, Do not store up treasures here on earth, but store up treasures that will last for eternity. Treasures in heaven. You see, when Jesus talks about finances and he talks about how we handle our finances, never once does he say that our finances are bad. That money is evil. That the dollar is a symbol of the devil. But rather what he's saying is, he's saying that change how you invest. Shift how you invest your life. You see, because every investment desires a gain. Right? We invest our money for it to what? To gain more money. But where we put our treasures, that's where we hope the gain comes from. And so we have this idea that if we continue to just store and store and store that one day, yes, one day, like that rich young ruler, the parable of the rich young ruler, we will be able to help someone out. And in both situations, Jesus is saying, both men had gotten it wrong. Because it was all about themselves. You see, Jesus didn't say that it's bad to store up for yourself. Because all throughout the Old Testament, it talks about saving for a rainy day. It talks about preparing for the future. It even talks about giving an inheritance to your children. Seriously. That's what the Old Testament talks about. And Jesus never contradicts the Old Testament. But what he does is he fulfills the Old Testament by in our treasures, in our earthly treasures, how do we help the needs of others? And how do we trust that when we store up treasures in heaven, that God provides everything and more? You see, we love that passage where it says that God is the owner of a a a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. But we love that for ourselves. But have we ever looked at it that if God is the provider of all things and he is the owner of a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, that when we stop consuming and start giving... God is the endless provider. And God teaches us and moves in us to live in a manner that we take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on kingdom treasures. You see, that's the beauty of the plant. For the first five years, that's all we've done is that we have helped people in need. We have given of ourselves. I mean, this week alone, the things that our church has been involved with is endless. And I sit back in awe and just say like, thank you God for being with those that want to learn to not just know you, consume you, but want to produce life in others. You see, the two rich young rulers in scripture were consumers, good people, living by the book, literally living by the book. Both illustrations were of two good Jewish men who were living by the book. But Jesus said, you missed it. You made it about you. You made it about you knowing God. You being blessed by God. You being able to consume everything for yourself rather than making him known. You know, it's really interesting, though. This is really funny that I read. That before Jesus even came to give his message, and John the Baptist, when people would come to John the Baptist... And they said, how do we repent? What do we do? What does repentance mean that I just kind of sackcloth and ashes and just keep saying I'm sorry for my sins and all the things I've done? He says, no, 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 no. This is how you repent. You recognize your sin and then you step into other people's lives to produce life in them. Read it. Beginning of John chapter one. And there's three things that John says to do and I'll let you go read it. But he basically says, Show God's grace. How you show his grace to others who need it most. You see, when we look at this point in the sermon, we're thinking, man, that's really guilt stricken. Like, Pfft. Rob's been to, you know, R- R- Rob and I have had talks about this stuff, and, and I hate going to church because it's all about what does the church want? What is the No, 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 no. Let me give you a better story. Because when we look at these two guys, it's kind of like, oh my, how am I living? And yes, that's part of it. But the question is, what can our lives look like, right? What can our lives look like? Is there any more chocolate left over? Anyone got a chocolate bar? Chocolate? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for being a producer. You just produced chocolate in my life. Milton Hershey. We know the story, well, we know Hershey selfishly because of the chocolate he produced. But do you know the real story of Milton Hershey? Milton Hershey was a chocolatier. You know, in Disney you have musketeers and in the chocolate world you have chocolatiers. And a chocolatier is someone who makes chocolate. I want to give you a little summary of Milton Hershey. Milton Hershey went out on this adventure of making a life for himself. And when he went into the chocolate industry, many people don't know this, but Milton Hershey went bankrupt. And for the first huge part of his life, he tried to master a craft in which he failed in. He went bankrupt. He lost everything. And he continued to push in the calling that God had for him, which was making chocolate. And one day after he went to Chicago, he got it and it clicked. After he went overseas, he clicked and everything started coming into full circle and everything started happening. And next thing you know it, he is in this movement of being the Willy Wonka of chocolate to the point right now that when you go to Hershey Pennsylvania you recognize a couple things first the town is named after him second they have this amazing amusement park and third there's a factory that is continuing creating the chocolate that we have loved for the past hundred years but there's some things about Milton Hershey that we do not know one is that he was a struggling human being just like us. Two, is that he was a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a churchgoer. He was a follower of Jesus. And what he set out to do from the very beginning of his journey of being a chocolatier was to produce life in others. And as his company grew and grew and grew, he kept bringing in more and more employees. And the thing that they said about Milton Hershey is that Milton Hershey took care of his employees better than any other company in the U.S. at the time. Most companies back there had child uh, labor law, all these child labor slaves and all of those things, and, and people were paid poorly, but Milton Hershey paid his employees good and better than everyone else. And Milton Hershey looked at the community that he grew up in and he said, they need a church. They need a school. They need homes. And he built a whole community for his workers. But you know what else Milton Hershey did? He did two things. He built one of the first high schools in the poorest areas of the country. Second, were any little boy that needed to be adopted he brought them in as his own. He didn't have children. And he built an orphanage that had schools to it. And not only did he build an orphanage and school, but basically these kids inherited Hershey's inheritance. These kids were, came from poverty or, or abandoned. And do you know to the extent that Hershey Milton, Milton Hershey went to? is that when these kids graduated high school, he sent them to college. You see, Milton Hershey was a producer, and because of Milton Hershey, one of the people in our church is one of the kids that went to the school. Tony, can you come up? Come on up. Tony came from a broken home. Tony and his sibling were left and the Hershey organization adopted him. And I just asked Tony if he could just share a couple stories about his experience or what he knows about Milton Hershey. I'll try.
1: Uh, but he was a great man. Speak he himself. was a great man. Um, I lived in Brooklyn. I was, uh, before I was two years old, my, my father was alcoholic. He left home, me and my younger brother, and and, uh, he, um, and my mother had no job, and it was not good. So we went to Catholic charities and boarding schools one after another right up until I was in eighth grade, and I really hated all of it. I had no friends. Everything was different. Finally got into eighth grade, and a couple of people in my class in Brooklyn uh, were three years older than me because they spent the last three years in eighth grade and I fell into that crowd and, you know, the smoking and the hanging out on the corners and it wasn't good and my mother, through a friend, heard about her. She she took me there with my brother and uh, they recognized that I was going nowhere and uh, they admitted me to the school. Adopted me and uh, that was pretty cool. I was heir to... All this money, uh, which you give up when you leave, but while you're there. You... Should have stayed, man. Should have stayed. <laughs> the dumbest sh- mistake you ever made.
0: <laughs> I should have got left back. <laughs>
1: so, But anyway, we lived on farm homes all around the community. It's 20,000 acres. If you have any, any of you guys been to Hershey, the high school surrounds the entire town. And uh, there's 50, 60 farm homes that we milked cows and took care of chickens and fed the cows, cleaned up after them. We had to work, not because he needed the money, but because he wanted to instill responsibility on us. And he did that. And it was really my home for for a long time and uh, four years. It was, and when I got adopted, it was kind of funny. They, the government sent the social security money to the to the school because my mother was no longer my guardian at all. So, so the school took all my money, all my mother's social security money. But they gave her money to see me and take care of me when I went home in the summer out of his own pocket. And um, Anyway, when I graduated, I was really surprised to, after giving me clothing and food and education and braces and whatever for my whole life. Uh, he gave me back all that Social Security money. He didn't take it. It was mine. And he gave it to me. Um, I share one story about Hershey, which to me kind of sums it up. In, in um, the 1930s, like every place else in the world, in this country, uh, the, we were, people were out of work. The Great Depression. Hershey was known as a town that knew no depression. Why? Because even though people were getting laid off, Hershey took his own money and he built the Hershey Sports Arena and the Hotel Hershey up on a hill behind the, my high school. And uh, he wanted to keep everyone in his town, his employees and the neighbors working and one day uh, he got a phone call from his foreman up at the hotel where they were digging the foundation for the hotel and the foreman said to him, Mr. Hershey, you have to come up here and see this thing. We got this new steam shovel, steam shovel, 80 years ago. No one has ever seen a steam shovel, especially the people out in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So a lot of the people from the town were there and Hershey drove up and he's marveling at this great thing and his foreman is so proud of himself for this huge new modern piece of machinery. And he looked at Mr. Hershey and said, Mr. Hershey, this machine can do the work of 40 men. And Hershey looked at him and said, put his arm on his shoulder and said, well, thank you. Get it out of here and hire me 40 men. He cared nothing about the money. He lived a life like we all live here. In today's do- do- dollars, he's probably a billionaire, uh, would have been a billionaire easily. He lived like us. He gave it all away. The high school is now, it's not a high school, it's a home. We were homeboys back then. Um, we, we, it, it's now the world's largest children's charity. Nobody's ever heard of that. He just gives it away, and he's not looking for recognition. So anyway, I, I left Hershey. and moved on. I was kind of inspired, and I had my ups and downs through life. And, uh, you know, it eventually it took me 10 years, but I went to college, and uh, and I could have never done that without him helping me. And I uh, hopefully, as uh, I move forward, I'll continue to change the rest of my life. And if my... Uh, with Hopefully, the support of my beautiful Betty and my beautiful daughter Amanda, Uh, I can lean on them and uh, continue to try to change and be a better person. But the inspiration came from Milton Hershey. Mm -hmm. That's my life. Not much, but that's it. Amen. Let me read you
0: two quotes from Milton Hershey. Two quotes. I am a Christian in the only sense that Christ wished anyone to be. Sincerely attached to his doctrine and preference to all others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God speaks through men to speak the truth. Our hands do his work here below. Voices and clean hands to make liberty and love prevail over injustice and hate. Milton Hershey. You see, here's what Milton Hershey understood. That his vocation was his gospel vehicle. His vocation was his gospel vehicle. And this didn't happen when he was 60, 70, 80 years old, this began as a young man saying, as God gives, I will give away. And we as a leadership team started this church to see the movement of God happen both locally and globally. And from day one, we have said we are going to learn to give. And I believe this, just like Milton Hershey knew that one of the first things that he needed to build was a church is that God uses the church, the people of God, as the primary vehicle to help those in need. God uses the church as the primary vehicle to help those in need. And we here want to start a culture of no longer being consumers, but producers in the lives of others. And as we go into this Christmas season, we want you to partner with us. Continue to partner with us in what God has in store. I loved it two weeks ago when we talked about this, that, the, that our team just said, hey, who can we help? We're sending this challenge out to people. Who can we help next? That's how we want to go into this Christmas season. Not for a one-month ordeal, but for a lifetime of giving life to others let us not be consumers but let us move forward into this Christmas holiday season as producers and let us partner together let's pray